question, do you keep Jesus' commands or do you lie like a rug? Happy Monday and welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. The two stark alternatives we find in 1 John are obeyer and liar. Nothing else, nothing in between. Jesus himself asked, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Well, what are the commands of Christ that we need to put into practice? Pastor Jim will mention a few very important ones today. We're ready for part two of How Do I Know I'm Saved? So when you come to chapter two, John wants you to know that you know. He wants you to pass some tests. He wants you to ask yourself some serious questions. Now understand, John is not writing these verses in an attempt to destroy your faith. He's not writing to people who are unbelievers, who make no profession of faith. He's not talking or writing to people who do not know Jesus Christ at all. He's writing to people who've heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, who have had explained to them the death of Jesus Christ at the cross, that Jesus Christ is God, that he died for our sins, he rose, went back to heaven. And these folks have made a profession. Now John says, I want you to move from just professing to really possessing. I want you to move from just hoping to knowing. I want you to have confidence and assurance in your heart that you have the gift of eternal life. So how can you know that you know. Now, when I was a young man, probably six years old, or maybe a little less, I heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I invited Jesus Christ to come into my heart. I meant that. Absolutely meant that. But as I grew up and became an adolescent and then a teen, I faced a world that was bigger than I knew when I was six. I faced new challenges intellectually. I faced new challenges socially. And sometimes those experiences would knock me off my feet. And I wouldn't be sure, as sure, that I was on my way to heaven as I had been when I was six. And I can remember many times on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, at the end of the service, I would step out and walk forward to the front of the church and I would say to the pastor, I'm not sure I'm safe. I don't have the confidence I used to have. And godly pastors and Sunday school teachers would teach me patiently week after week after week after week. They knew, they sensed that I was going through the struggles of any young man and a young woman growing up in a world that lies in the lap of the wicked one. And so they would patiently take me back to the scripture and help me to reaffirm my faith. See, my problem wasn't that I wasn't saved. My problem was that I didn't know that I knew. I was believing my doubts and doubting my faith. Some of you here this morning are in that very position. You once had an experience with Jesus Christ. You once had a vibrant relationship with him, but you're not sure this morning. If you were really honest, really honest, you'd say, well, I think, I, I hope, I, I really want to, I, I trust. But you could not honestly say, I know. John's writing to you. 
And he wants you to take this little book and examine your own heart. Start, first of all, by asking the question, do I have a sense of connectedness and fellowship with other believers? Start there. Because John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. If you can go for weeks on end and have no desire to go to church, chances are very good you're really not a true believer. If you are a true believer, you're, you're ill. Something's wrong. It should be as natural as can be that you have a desire to be with other believers. If you have a desire to talk about the things of the Lord, that's a good sign. You're interested in the things that God speaks about in the Bible. That's a good sign. If you don't, if you're embarrassed when other people talk about prayer, when other people witness the gospel of Jesus Christ, you find yourself saying, oh, why don't they shut up? Check your heart. Check your heart. You may be a believer, but you're not a vibrant one. You're not a healthy one. You may get to heaven, but you'll come limping in on a wing and a prayer. God doesn't want that. First test, do you have fellowship? That doesn't mean do you enjoy being with. It means do you have this sense of connectedness with other people who love the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have an interest in the things of God? That's the first test. The second test is in chapter 2 and verse 3, and that is do you keep his commandments? See it there? By this we know that we know him, John writes, if we keep his commandments. Anyone who says, I know him, that is, I know the Lord Jesus Christ, and does not keep his commandments is a liar. <laughs> Train up a child the way he should go when he's older and not depart from it. I still have trouble saying that word because that was a no word in our family. I could get my mouth washed out with soap if I called somebody a liar. My mom and dad were very strict on that word. There were a number of others they were strict on. So to say a liar is very difficult for me to say, but I'm just repeating what John said. So John says, if you profess that you know Jesus Christ, and by that he doesn't mean that you know the facts about him. Yeah, there was a guy named Jesus. Yeah, he lived on the earth 2,000 years. Yeah, he was born in a manger. Yeah, he died on a cross. It's not that kind of general knowledge. John's talking about knowing him, being related to him, knowing him intimately, having a relationship with him. That's what John's talking about. If you say, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I know him, he is my personal Lord and Savior, and you're not keeping his commandments, you're lying through your teeth. I added to what John said, but that's what he means. He says, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you. What truth? The truth is, you cannot be related to Jesus Christ and call him your Lord and Savior and refuse to abide by what he teaches. Can't do that. Impossible. Just as you can't mix light and darkness you can't mix a relationship with Jesus Christ and disobedience to what he commands. Now think about that for a moment. Are you at all concerned about what Jesus says? 
John didn't say here, if you say, I know him, and you fail to keep Jesus' suggestions. That's not what he said. These are commands. Does Jesus Christ have the right to dictate your choices? Does Jesus Christ have the right to determine the clothes I wear, the clothes you wear? How you spend your money, where you spend your time, how you fill your schedule, what you eat. Does he have the right to dictate what you should and will say and what you shouldn't and won't speak? Does Jesus Christ have the right to dictate to you who your friends will be? 20th century Christians kind of rub those kinds of questions aside. Oh, we're Christians. To be a Christian means to be a Christ follower. To be a Christ follower means to obey what Jesus Christ directs. To obey what Jesus Christ directs means to surrender to him the right to dictate my lifestyle. I'm his follower. Are you truly saved? You will gain assurance. You will gain confidence that you know him only when you keep his commandments. Now, it seems logical that if he has the right to dictate then I have the responsibility to learn. I need to know what he wants me to do. I need to acquaint myself with his commands. And frankly, I'm not at all serious about that. If I go from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday and never open my Bible, never read for myself, what he says in his word. If I don't take the scriptures seriously, I cannot keep his commandments. Are you serious about that? This verse tells us that if I will commit myself to finding out what he has commanded, agree that he has the right to press his expectations on my life and my choices. And if I will then obey what he says, I will be taken through a series of experiences that will result in me having confidence that I know him. That's what this verse says. You will know that you know him as you keep his commandments. A few verses later, John says, this is what it means to keep his commandments, that you walk as he walked. Now think for a moment this morning about some of those huge commands that he gave. I mean, commands that were absolutely, unmistakably clear, like forgiveness, you have grudges, anger, 
vengeance in your heart this morning towards somebody that's done you wrong, then you're not following Christ. Christ said, forgive. And Peter, who understood the implications of that, was kind of taken back. He said, wait a minute. You mean if, if, if he does the same thing against me seven times, I should forgive him seven times? Jesus said, no, I mean if he does the same thing against you 70 times seven. I think that's 490. If he does the same thing again. Now, what's the point? The point is, if you're following the Lord Jesus Christ and you keep his commandments, one of the commandments that's very obvious is the commandment to forgive. If you forgive people 490 times in a row for the same offense, you've developed a habit of forgiveness where you're no longer keeping score, and that's the whole point. Christians that are angry, bitter, hostile, vengeful, nah, you don't know that you know him. That whole lifestyle is absolutely counter to anything you see in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it clearly opposes anything that he commanded. To make the point even clearer, John takes what would have to be considered one of the biggest commandments Jesus gave, and that has to do with love. And look, look what John says. John says, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, verse 7. I'm not writing a new commandment to you. The idea of loving your neighbor as yourself was not new. It was not unique to Jesus. Way back in the Old Testament, that principle had been clearly stated by God in his dictation of the law to Moses. So this is not something new. On the other hand, Jesus took the old commandment and really invigorated it, freshened it up, made it new, added a whole new dimension to it. What is the commandment? That you love, that you love, that you love. Now listen to verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness. Until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Do you hate your brother, your sister? Oh, Pastor Jim, I tell you, if you knew my brother, yeah, I know, I know. All of us can justify, all of us can justify our disobedience in our own eyes. But you can't justify it against the command of Jesus Christ. Do you want to know that you're walking in the light? Do you want to have the confidence that you know Jesus Christ? Do you want to know for sure that you're born again? Do you want to know that you have the gift of eternal life? Then keep the commandments. Walk as he walked. Take your cues from his command. Spend time in his word learning what he expects, what he desires, and make those desires the passion and commitment of your heart. And when it comes to your relationships with your brother, 
that's talking about other believers, make certain that you have the best of intents, that you love, that you are concerned for the brothers and sisters. And the neighbor who is not a believer, we're told we need to love him too. And the enemy who seeks and plots your destruction, the unsaved boss who's trying to figure out a way, scheme a way to kick you out of your job, what should your attitude be toward him? Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, folks, if we're doing that, if we're doing that, it's a sure sign, a sure testimony that God himself is working in our hearts because those things never come naturally. To hate, to kick, to get even, to be vengeful, to be envious, we don't need to be taught that. That comes very naturally. But to be in relationship with Jesus Christ and that relationship be so vital that what he commands you do, and as you do it, you experience his empowerment by his spirit to perform that, and he's promised to do that, and he will deliver. Your life will go through a transforming process. You become more and more like him, and in that transforming process, not only will you know that you know him, others will know that you know him too. John gives us warning there in verse 11. If we claim that we love the Lord Jesus Christ and hate our brothers, we're walking in darkness. And he says, he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Real danger in hatred because of what it does to the person who chooses to hate. Now, if this morning the name of someone, the memory of something has come to your thinking as we've been talking about these verses, that's the Spirit of God probing, bringing to your conscious attention things you need to confess, relationships you need to restore, attitudes you need to throw out, Jesus Christ did not save us and make us his own to sanctify our sin. He saved us to change us from being selfish sinners into being sons of God. And his likeness and his attitude ought to flow through us. Now, as John writes, he's aware of the fact that he has a divided audience. And that's what those verses are all about there verses 12 down through verse 14. He says, I write to you children. I write to you young men. I write to you fathers. And what he's telling us is that, that there are degrees of spiritual growth and maturity. Uh, some may just be starting their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and, and they're overwhelmed. They're, they're like the little ones. And John says, if you're just new to the faith, I want you to begin by understanding that your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. That is, don't start with trying to work 
out your sins. Start your faith by believing and accepting that forgiveness of sins is what God does for Jesus' sake. Not because you try harder, not because you promise not to do it again, but God forgives you based upon Jesus. That's the fundamental, basic, beginning bedrock. And some of you here this morning are there. Some of you still struggle with the fact that as believers, you do sins, and you want to overcome that, and you want to overcome those habits, and your tendency is to begin to think it must be something I'm failing. I got to work harder. Got to try harder. Got to this, got to that. John says, no, 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 no. Look, look. Those of you who are just starting, those of you who are brand new believers, you begin by settling the fact that forgiveness is something God gives because of Jesus, not because of your works. And then a little later, he says, I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. And John wants the new believers to just get excited, just get excited about the privilege of having a personal relationship with God. You can now call the Creator God, Daddy. You can speak to Him in prayer. You can be sure that he loves you, that he's preparing a place for you in his home in heaven. You can be certain that he has overcome all the wickedness and the wicked ones around us. He's your dad. He loves you. Just begin by enjoying, as a new believer, enjoying that fundamental truth. I know God. God knows me. He's my father. He's looking for every way he can to demonstrate his love for me and to me through all of my life. He'll never forsake me. He'll never leave me. Nothing can ever separate me from him. And when I sin, and I will, when I sin, and I will, and when I sin, and I will, he'll forgive me because of what Jesus did for me at the cross of Calvary. That's step one. See? And that's where some of you are this morning. Little children in your faith. You have not memorized scripture. Some of you may have made a profession of faith, may have trusted Jesus Christ back when Billy Graham was here in, in, in Columbus in 1964. But you've not grown. You've been stunted, either frustrated by sin, frustrated by failure, frustrated by your, by your own ignorance of the word of God, whatever. But, but, but you're, just, you're just babes. You're just little ones in your faith. John says, start there. I know Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 better than I do them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. We've been talking about obedience as a watermark of true faith in this chunk of Jim's message, How Do I Know I'm Saved? If you'd like the CD of the sermon, we're offering it for a gift of $7 or more. The name of the series is We Can Know Some Things For Sure. It's a quick refresher in 1 John. You can have all three CDs for a donation of $15 or more. It's an honor for me to say thanks to everyone who's sent a check or given electronically, and thanks to those who are praying for the ministry. You are the heroes of this enterprise. For over five decades now, God has supplied our needs through believers. Some of them are very much like you. If you'd like to lend a hand, reach us through the website, rightstartradio.org. You can make a secure donation there, and you can hear this program again or dig into the extensive audio library for radio shows and sermons. Check out the podcast link that will bring the daily radio show to your smartphone and more at rightstartradio.org. 
rightstartradio.org. And mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. Again, 800-984-2313. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. If we want to love our brothers and sisters and neighbors and others, we'll find another love standing in our way. Jim will talk about that tomorrow. Please join us for Tuesday's Right Start. Thank you.